Thank you so much. Take your Bibles if you would. If you've had Romans holding for the past few weeks or months, would you go not far from that to Acts? We're in Acts chapter 7 today, going to be reading verses 48 through the end of the chapter. Good to see you today. We welcome here on this Senior Adult Sunday. Let me say just a, a word or two of thanks to all of our senior adults. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your loyalty, your love for the Lord Jesus, and your example. I was going to get you a senior adult preacher for today, then I realized I are one. <clears throat> and it's not just my imagination that the definition of a senior adult keeps getting lower and lower and lower. But uh, let me ask you for just a moment, if you're, uh, if you're under age 55, would you just raise your hand for just a moment? Now look, there's lots of hands up here. Thank you, put the hand. If, uh, if five years ago, four years ago, we'd asked that question in this first service, very few hands would have gone up. But we're a multi-generational Every service, of course, we're glad to have that. You can see that not only in uh, that this is Senior Adult Sunday, things that are happening, but we're going to have our preschoolers and uh, children singing here at the end of the service. Lots of music today, but uh, listen, you don't have anywhere to be, and it's good. And I'm, let me tell you, particularly to our senior adult, if your class doesn't start right at 945 today, you can go longer. Tend to Chick will still be open. It'll be okay. We will all make it all right. But thank you so much to Polly. And thank you to Marcelin leading us in worship today and appreciate you singing that. Many of you know that uh, Polly's dad, Brother Max, was my worship leader. He's now gone on to be with the Lord for the first 12 years of my life. And he set the standard. And Polly, thank you so much. And of course, and he liked to sing every verse of every hymn. But now this has been a long time ago, but in my memory, he didn't make everybody stand up every verse of every hymn. You ask our senior adults, they say, oh, we'd like to sing every verse, but would you stand for every verse? Well, we might have to think about that. But uh, we're looking forward to our time together tonight and know that during these next few minutes, we're, we're starting a new series of messages about helps for the family found in God's Word. And sometimes we're going to be looking at families over these next few weeks. We've got Mother's Day, Father's Day, you got Vacation Bible School coming, lots of things that are happening so we, regardless of your family, family is defined as one single person or multi-generational there in the home and extended families and all of these things. So we're going to be looking at some instructions from God's Word in the weeks to come. We're going to also be looking at examples, some good, some maybe not good that we can learn from, uh, from God's Word. You know, I know it's vacation time, but if you can be here, or it will be vacation time, not quite yet. But, uh, but if you can be here over the next few weeks, next couple of months, you want to be a part of this. And so we're kind of setting the precedent, not necessarily from a family, but from one person today, helping us to talk about leaving a legacy and uh, being sure that we are able to finish well. This is Acts chapter 7. We're going to begin reading in verse 48. If you have your Bibles there, you want to keep your Bibles open, we'll be looking at Probably some passages in Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter 6 uh, as well. And uh, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word today? Verse 48 reads like this, Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, 
whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city, stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. And you may be seated. I will tell you that I have learned not to base how good a sermon is on what is being said at the door. One day, one member came and said, Preacher, said, Preacher, every time you speak, what you say is clear and understandable. He said, I think you're always speaking to me, and I know that there are some changes that I need to make in my life every time the sermon is finished. Now cut it out. Well... I guess suppose that could be a compliment. We have a, one of the sermons from Stephen here in one of the great sermons of the New Testament here in Acts chapter 7. I encourage you to read it at some time, maybe not right now, but at the very end of it we read part of it and he preached it primarily to the Jewish court of the Sanhedrin so that you'll know the audience in which he is preaching to. There is little doubt that they understood what was being said, but could you judge its success the success of Stephen's sermon by the reaction of the listeners. When he finished, the Bible says they gnashed their teeth, they cried out loud, they held their ears, and they rushed at him, took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Well, I suppose in some ways that might be considered even a compliment because he boldly preached the truth to those who needed to hear it. And those who took him outside, they needed the message the most, but they stoned him, the very same ones who stoned Jesus, stoned Stephen's, or crucified Jesus, stoned Stephen. Now the ministry of Stephen and what we know about him is really short-lived. We're introduced to him in Acts chapter 6 and verse 5, and by the time we get to the end of Acts chapter 7, we know that he has gone uh, to be the Lord, he's martyred for the faith. I've read these chapters now many times, and the one thing that, about Stephen which seems to stick out is that he always did more than expected. He was not satisfied with doing the least, but the most he could in word and action, thus he was used in, by God in how his life touched others even beyond his time on earth. Churches who are truly used of God have believers who do not believe in the status quo only, but truly seek to serve and do their very best for the Lord and look beyond the here and now, believing that what happens now influences people today and will influence generations to come. Godly families believe the same thing. What's happening now will influence generations to come. Now you've got a, if you've got your notes there, you've got kind of a long sentence there, but we believe that by looking at the life and death of Stephen, we discover regardless of your family situation or season of life, Crucial areas to excel in order to leave a legacy to influence others and to build God's kingdom. Stephen finished well. We read about this in the passage that we have here. We want to make our plans and decisions with the end game in full view. 
In other words, how do we want to finish? And even as we're beginning this kind of series here this morning and realize there's a direction we have about wanting to learn how we might take care of problems in the family, how we might have godly families and how the Bible speaks to these things, we want to have the end view in mind. So we'll make application this morning of several areas perhaps to help us and we'll talk about more of these areas probably in detail as we go along in the weeks to come. But we want to follow Stephen's example of doing more than expected. Of doing more than expected. One of the areas I think that uh, we can see particularly in these verses here is it in the area of scripture is that we want to be strong in the word. Stephen is the first name listed in Acts chapter 6 and verse 5 of the seven men whom we refer to as the first deacons. And we, we find him doing miracles and signs among the people in the name of Jesus. In the enemies of the church, they set up some to lie about Stephen, to say that he's speaking against the law of Moses, that he's speaking against God and against uh, the temple. They arrest him and he's tried before the Sanhedrin. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 1, when he's asked, are these charges true? He gives the longest sermon in all of Acts. Longer than any sermon preached by Peter. Longer than any sermon preached by Paul. Even longer than all of Paul's testimonies, which is recorded three times. And it's from Acts chapter 7 to until Acts chapter 7 and verse 53. And they accuse him. Remember, they accuse him of speaking against the scriptures in the Old Testament. And then he actually uses the Old Testament to tell them that Jesus is the coming Messiah. They have put him to death, but instead they need to put their faith in him. It begins with Abraham, father of the Hebrew faith, how God brought him to a new land, promised that he'd be a great nation. They talked about Joseph, how God was with him with all the sons of Jacob. He told about the deliverer named Moses. Matter of fact, about half his sermon has to do with Moses, maybe because they had accused him of speaking against Moses. But also because Jesus, Moses prophesied about Jesus. We read the words in Acts chapter 7 and verse 37 to where it says there that this is Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. But then he says, but your forefathers continued to disobey in the wilderness. He told how people built a tabernacle for worship until the time of Solomon. And Solomon built a temple they valued the temple, valued the temple so much that they worshiped the temple more so than they worshiped God. And then he says, and we read those verses a moment ago, that God does not dwell in buildings. They rejected God just like they rejected all the prophets, and now they have killed the Messiah, the one that he calls the just one. Everything that he said was true, everything that he said was from the word of God, and they killed Stephen for it. The point we want to make perhaps is that here was Stephen, he was not a prophet, he was not a preacher, yet he knew the Word of God. I encourage you sometime to go back and read this message again and look for words like the prophet said, the Lord said, or as it says in verse, chapter 7 and verse 42, this agrees with what is written in the book. Because if we want to be able to speak the truth and live the truth, we need to make one of the things that we believe and know is important is knowing the Word of God. And as Stephen pointed out that every chapter in the Old Testament, all of the New Testament, it all points to Jesus. And this story and so many others makes it clear that if we want to be courageous, if we want to combat temptations, if we want to stay the course, if we want to have 
influence in our families and in our neighborhoods and beyond, we will be people of the book. God wants to use people of the Word. And we probably could use the rest of our time talking about being people of the book, and we will at some time. But just consider before we move forward if any area that which you might be, need to improve. Need to make it a daily practice in your own life. Does it need to be, do you need to be a part of a small group Bible study to where you're learning with others about God's Word? Are there people who are helping you to be able to learn that and people that you're pouring into? Most of ours, that are, our main small group of this course are Sunday school, but we have Bible studies throughout the week. And do you need to let God's Word, is it being read often in the home so that it might have influence? Stephen's sermon challenged us to do more than expected when it comes to knowing and practicing God's Word. But another area we find in Stephen, we want to set as kind of a precedent from here forevermore, it is that trust needs to be a part of the equation. We need to be growing in our faith. Now, if you have your Bibles open and if you notice chapter 6 and verse 5 as it begins to describe about Stephen, it says that Stephen was a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Chapter 6 and verse 8, it says that Stephen was full of faith and power. And then as we read a moment ago in Acts chapter 7 and verse 59, with confidence he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now the words of Stephen just before he was stoned to death reflect a quiet, even innocent confidence in a living God. Now do you remember the children's prayer, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Children's prayer we often perhaps teach to our children. Well this prayer that Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus receive my spirit, is actually from Psalm 31. And it is a prayer, and it's a psalm that was often taught to Hebrew children for children to pray before they went to sleep so that they might be able to have this prayer to practice and to pray before God. And here's Stephen at the very end of his life. Instead of being full of the wisdom of the world, he realizes the innocent prayer that is often taught to children, and he repeats it loud. Some folks are seeking to be wise to the ways of the world. If Stephen would have been wise to the ways of the world, he would not have challenged the Jewish religious leaders. He would not have spoken of the truth. He wouldn't have spoken up for Jesus. Let us dare to be naive enough to speak up about Jesus. We would not have expected Stephen to pray the prayer of a child, but it revealed in no uncertain terms his trust in the mighty God. Well, Stephen trusted in God. How come God didn't save Stephen? I mean, he saved many people. We think back, we could probably think of a lot. There was Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There was Joseph who was saved often. There were many others in the New Testament. Paul seemed to be miraculously saved from death many times. Many were brought back to life. Why not Stephen? Now, in the past uh, week or so, I guess some of you have seen the new movie out called Breakthrough that are out. Some of you chose to watch, watch Avengers instead. That's okay as well. And I haven't seen, the, haven't seen either one of them, but I, just in the previews of the Breakthrough movie, hope to plan to see it. But, you know, it's about a boy broken through the ice, miraculously uh, he survives. a true story that takes place, and it talks about the many people that were influenced because of his faith. Well, why 
Does God save some and not others? I don't know that we can always answer that question, but for those who trust in Him, this is what the Scripture tells us. We will not be disappointed. Because of faith, influence will be spread. God did save Stephen. He saved him for all eternity. Here's where faith is really tested. Could God have saved Stephen? Of course He could. The ground could have swallowed up his enemies so that they could not have stoned him. He could have sent a myriad of angels to come and with drawn sword to slice all of his enemies into pieces, just as he could have done at the crucifixion of Christ. But what about when God does not save us? When he does not heal us or our family situation does not change like we have prayed for, then where is our faith? Well, having more faith than expected means that you're able to say, I will trust you no matter what. Are there areas of life that you need to trust God with, even if God does not answer life like you expect or like you want Him to? So we want to put our faith and trust in Him. If you're following your notes, you might notice there's the word evangelism. And no, it's not a misprint. It is repeated twice there somewhere in your notes for more than one reason. But it is what we are about. It's what Stephen was about, winning people to Jesus. He was recruited to wait on tables. He did miracles in the name of Jesus for regular folk. When brought before the religious leaders, he, broke, he, uh, he boldly proclaimed the gospel. Acts chapter 7 and verse 2, he said, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Churches that rise head and shoulders above the rest are churches who make reaching people for Christ a priority. You know how easy it is for churches to dwell on the problems or the conflicts or obstacles that are in the way and be distracted from the mission. To become so inward focused, we lose sight of the mission. Stephen was elected by the church as one of the seven to minister to the widows and food distribution to the needy. You think he did that? I mean, the Bible doesn't talk about he did it, but because from the character that we have of Stephen, do you think he probably did that? Yeah, he probably did. But where do we find his focus? What's it is that he's known for today? He was a witness to the world for Jesus Christ. Can you allow whatever good, bad, or ugly thing that may be happening in your life to be a witness for the difference that Jesus makes? Yes, your lifestyle should be a witness, and every so often you know, we might need to open our mouth and tell someone the difference is because of Jesus. You know, Stephen could have thought, no one expects me to speak up about Jesus. I was elected by the church to wait on tables. Let's leave that for the disciples. No one might expect you to speak up for Jesus in the home or at school or at work or on the ball court or to your neighbors. But Stephen's life challenges us to do more than expected. Then we find another area of life that we need to excel in that will become important, and it has to do with power. It has to do with the power of the presence of Jesus. Notice these verses. If you've got your Bibles open in Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And then in verse 10 it says, But they could not withstand the wisdom of the Spirit with which he was speaking. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 16, or 15, And gazing at him, all who said in the council saw the face was like the face of an angel. Now, why do you suppose they could see his face and see the difference that was in his face? Why do you suppose that's mentioned there and that was a part of what the Lord did for him, even to his enemies? Well, most all knew the story of Moses and in the story of Moses. Moses came down from Mount Sinai being in the presence of God and his face was radiant. And they could see that he'd been present with Jesus. But also, after being accused of blasphemy, 
which was punishable by death, he was able to sit there unruffled, composed and calm because he knew he'd been faithful and obedient. Now, I think here's where we often make our mistake. Because a lot of time we as believers, we spend our time trying to be good or trying to pretend like we're trying to be good when really what we ought to be doing is seeking the presence in the face of the Lord Jesus. And then the more we find ourselves in His presence, the more we find ourselves closer to Him, then we want to be faithful and we want to be obedient. Well, do you think people should be able to see the difference that Christ makes? Do you think... Do you think people should be able to see the difference that Christ makes even in our countenance and in our expressions? And I don't mean by putting up a false front or face before others, but by knowing even during difficult times we're in His presence and, his, and he, he lives in us. Sometimes it shows up in our face. It always should show up in our actions. The great uh, preacher Charles Spurgeon was speaking to a group of ministers, a group of students who would become ministers and begin to preach. And he was talking about delivery of the sermon and facial expressions. And he said, when you talk about heaven, your face should light up. And he said, when you talk about hell, well, your regular face will probably do. It was beyond expectation that while facing death, Stephen's face would be like the face of an angel, but he had the presence of God upon him and he stood before his accusers with power because he'd been faithful and obedient. If you want to know the presence of God unleashed in your life and be able to see and experience that, you will seek Jesus, and then you'll find yourself seeking to be faithful and obedient in every area of life because of Christ's presence. Oh, we've got another area. You've got several blanks. We want you to fill them all in, and it has to do with heartfelt love. You want to love all people, want to show, be able to love, show love for family. Take a moment and notice the similarities between what Stephen went through and what Jesus went through. Both were tried before a religious court. Both had people set up to lie about them that they were talking against the Scriptures and talking against the very temple. Probably the one that stands out, these last words of Stephen. Sound familiar, the last words of Jesus on the cross, Acts chapter 7 and verse 60. Where it says, and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this against them. Stephen's love for the people who were stoning him, even while it's happening, is a reflection of the love of Jesus for us. It was for our sins to put Jesus on the cross. While we were yet his enemies, Jesus died for us. Stephen's loving words for those who put him to death reflect the teachings of Jesus. Even on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Well, we understand most of us have heard these words before and we think of those folks that are our enemies. We know these are the things that we should do. But since we're focusing on helping in the family, have you ever thought of applying this to your family? Have you ever had a family member that acts more like an enemy? Anybody that ever cursed you in your home? Anybody ever say that they hate you? Ever family, any family member ever spitefully try to use you or persecute you? What are we to do in the home? Well, we're to love them, bless them, do good. And pray for them. Nowhere do these apply more than in the home. If we want to be like Stephen, who was like Jesus, God will help you to love and to forgive 
and even show kindness to them. If someone has mistreated you, my goodness, it's understandable, isn't it, that you might avoid them? Maybe that you don't speak to them. Isn't it understandable that if somebody's mistreated you, you might mistreat them right back? It's understandable as the world sees it. But we serve no ordinary Savior. We're talking about doing more than expected. Stephen's life and certainly the life of Christ challenged us to have a genuine heartfelt love for all people. Well, you see, if you follow in your notes, we have the evangelism again. Even the, even the way Luke finishes this chapter is a testimony that this is not the end. Oftentimes, death for a believer is referred to as sleep. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with them those who sleep in Jesus. Those who die in Christ, their spirit is immediately in the presence of Jesus. And when Jesus comes again, all will receive a new heavenly body to be together with Jesus in heaven. What Stephen saw and how Luke penned these words is witness of what is to come. Stephen, as many of you know, he's the first martyr of the Christian church. It's been said that the blood of Christian martyrs are seeds of evangelism. In other words, when someone dies for witnessing about Jesus, more people are one to the Lord. But I want you to notice this, if you don't mind very last words of the chapter, Acts chapter 7, and the very first words of Acts chapter 8. Remember that chapters and verses weren't even a part of the original language. What does it say there? When he had said this, he fell asleep. What's the very first words of the next chapter? And Saul was there. Already it was mentioned that those who sown Stephen laid their coats at this young man's feet. Saul, who would become Paul, he hated believers. I believe a seed was planted that day in the heart of Saul in an unexpected way in which Stephen gave his life. He observed what was taking place and that seed would come to harvest on the road to Damascus when Saul met Jesus and became the greatest missionary of the Christian church. Stephen left a legacy that went far beyond his life because he did more than expected. And more than once... Stephen Stoning's references to the time that the church was scattered. Good news of the gospel was spread, and still over 2,000 years later, we're nearly 2,000 years later, we're still reading, letting the story touch our lives. Do you think God could help find answers then for you and your family if you decide to excel, do more than expected in these areas in Scripture, trusting Him, evangelism, seeking the power and the presence of God, and having a heartfelt love for all people? Oh, I hope that you know that it would. We're going to talk more about these in the weeks to come. And, but there is one more, one more area. And we're going to use the word name. Now, we could say Stephen made a name for himself. In fact, you've probably already noticed that we've spelled out Stephen there on your page if you're watching, keeping up with your notes. But it wasn't a name for himself. Instead, he pointed to the name of Jesus. Some of Stephen's last words, heaven opened. He said, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. Now most of the references to Jesus in heaven has him sitting at the right hand of God, but here we have Jesus standing, perhaps standing in approval while all the heaven gives ovation because in the life or in the death, Stephen continues to lift up the name of Jesus. In our church family, wherever we find ourselves, we want to continue to lift up the name of Jesus no matter what.
no matter what we're facing. Karen Watson was a Southern Baptist missionary in Iraq. Karen was saved at the age of 29. Before she was saved in her former life, she was a pool hall owner and a detention officer. Lived a pretty tough life. But after giving her life to Jesus, that all changed. And at the age of 38, she had gone to Iraq to provide humanitarian relief in the name of Christ. Well, on March 15th, just a few years ago, five Southern Baptist humanitarian workers were driving back to Mosul after a day of visiting villagers who were in need of clean water. Gudman pulled alongside their vehicle and opened fire. Karen and two others died on the spot. Before she left Iraq, she left a note, letter, with her pastor for family and friends. In the letter, she gave the simple summary of following Christ. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory is my reward. Now, the name of Stephen means crown of victory. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. No, probably most of us will not be called to become martyrs for the Christian faith. Yes, we should be willing if that's what God calls us to do. But for many, it might be easier to die for Jesus than it would be to live for Jesus. For people like you and me, doing more than expected may not be in dying for Christ, but in living for Him with the end in mind. How do you want to finish? Well, if you want to finish well... You want to begin now, making sure that Christ is at the center of all things. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, know that even when we finish on this earth, it is not the end, but it is just the beginning of eternal life with Christ, and He offers that eternal life in Christ to you. And we encourage you to give your heart and life to Him. Let's bow together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and be able to lift up praises today. And Father, we thank you even when we recognize people here in a service such as this, Father, we're recognizing their faithful service to you. We thank you, Father, for the examples we have in this room, example we have in your word. We pray, Father, that you also might be able to use us so that we might be examples for others and have influence so the generations to come might continue to turn to you and make you the center of their life. We pray, Father, if today there's someone who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of salvation, that they turn, give their heart and life to you. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen.